0: You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com.
1: I cannot imagine going to sleep and never waking up. Death surrounds me. And although I surely know better, I somehow feel immune. I'm not alone. Eternal life. Almost all religions promise it. In one form or another, the message goes forth. Death is not final. The end of my body shall not be the end of me. I feel no temptation to prove life after death chasing down this story or that. The anecdotal evidence is unscientific, and the scientific evidence is nil. But I am compelled to find visions of eternal life, however hazy, blurred, or opaque. If there is eternal life, what would it be like? the answer should make some kind of sense. If not, I would doubt it were real. I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my journey to find out. I start at Oxford with Richard Swinburne, one of the world's leading philosophers of religion. Deeply analytical, Richard believes in eternal life. I'd like to know how he sees it. Richard, the promise of God is immortality, eternal life. Can we even begin to appreciate
0: what this can mean? I think we can begin to appreciate it, but that's about all. Um, Eternal um, can be used in two senses. It can mean either outside time or everlasting, but the the tradition has been pretty unanimous that um, eternal life for humans means after this life and everlasting life after this life. But of course, your main question is, what would we be doing? What would we be doing? That's right. (laughs) First of all, of course, uh, we'd be happy, but um, happiness is not not, uh, just a sensation. Happiness consists in doing what you want to do, but the normal doctrine about heaven is that uh, it's not just happiness, it's what uh, Aquinas called beatitudo, blessedness. And blessedness is doing what you want, where what you want to is supremely worthwhile. And what is supremely worthwhile? Well, um, of course, we don't know. But the last book of the Christian Bible, the Book of Revelation, does uh, give some picture of it which we can grasp. And there seem to me uh, two elements that are mentioned there. Uh, The first is worship, worship of God. And there's a lot of talk about dances and hymns and uh, and such like. Now, anyone with aesthetic sensitivities will recognize that music, art, uh, poetry, these are enormously valuable things in themselves but their their value, in part, uh, is a matter of what they are depicting or representing. And if God is omnipotent, omniscient and perfectly good, then he firstly deserves infinite reverence, and secondly, he has an infinite amount of things to tell us and reveal about ourselves.
1: However worthwhile and enjoyable and beatific it can be, Speaking personally, after a while, I don't know how long a while is, the passivity of just worship would seem to me in my state now to become rather boring. Uh, worship is essentially an
0: active thing. It's doing, it's playing the instruments and doing the dances. But my point is there are, if God is as depicted, infinitely many different new aspects to him which we can respond to with infinitely many new and growingly sensitive kinds of worship. How do you see our substance, our
1: body, our spirit? Uh, New Testament talks about a new body, a resurrected body.
0: Christian uh, religion, unlike uh, Eastern religions, has always emphasized the resurrection of the body. Although uh, when we die, soul and body come apart as it were and um, nevertheless soul and body are finally reunited and uh, What uh, goes to heaven is the whole person body and soul? Not necessarily a body uh, With all the limitations of our bodies, but a body what makes it a body? Well, a body is a public object it's, it's something where other people can get hold of you, and you can get hold of other people. And what is maintained by the body is your public presence and your availability to other people. You have a place, and if people want you, they can get you at this place, and they can interact with you at this place. So it means a public expression, and it means that the heaven is a community of individuals. There is also much talk. It's always been emphasized that saints have work to do. There's a saying of Jesus uh, with respect to his apostles that uh, they will be uh, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, but judging really means uh, ruling over. They will have work to do in uh, uh, helping people into being good people who will naturally express themselves in worship.
1: Happiness, blessedness, worship, body and soul, a community of individuals with work to do. Sounds pretty good, but I'd hoped for more. Maybe I shouldn't feel this way. Is there more? JP Moreland is a Christian philosopher who believes the Bible to be the literal word of God. Does his vision of eternal life have more? JP, I'd like to try to explore yes. what eternal life experience would be like when you have your new body in the resurrection as, as you see it. This new body is, is not a material body. It, it,
2: materials. Corruptible and will disintegrate, and this is forever, right? No, it's a regular physical body. By saying it's a spiritual body, it means it won't cease; it doesn't decay. It doesn't mean it's not material. So, so, it's, so a body. it's a new
1: kind of material.
2: No, uh, I don't know the answer to the kind of material it is. I do know that it's not limited, like our physical body is now. Um, and I also think that in the eternal, in the eternal life when we're embodied. Uh, We will have powers over matter. Uh, Jesus, for example, I think was an archetype. He was able to command a tree and it withered. He was able to produce loaves and fish from a small number. I think we're going to be able to engage in all kinds of artistic creativity. So we'll be able to say, for example, to a hillside, I want you to turn purple and look like this. So I think we're going to engage in all kinds of learning, all kinds of play, all kinds of artistic creativity. It won't be boring. It'll be exciting and invigorating. We'll always be finite, so there'll always be new things to learn. And here's the important thing. We'll be able to do that with those we love and with God, and it'll be a co- it'll be a co-exploration. There'll be deep, rich community uh, times of it, deep interaction where there's not going to be hiddenness. We still we'll have a material body. We, we'll have a physical body. We'll be able to eat. Uh, physical we'll body mean, means
1: made of the same kinds of a- Yeah, atoms. it'll it'll
2: occupy space. Uh, it, it'll you'll, you'll be able to see it. It'll have a shape. Yeah, of course. And, yeah. but it, it'll never change. Well, it won't, if by change, well, I mean, you can move your arms and you can... Yeah, I mean, won't, well, won't. You yeah. can color your wrist green if you wanted to. Sure. But but if by change you mean decay, right. no, it won't decay.
1: Ever. Ever, that's yeah. right. And and uh, uh, will all kinds of physical functions, will there be sexuality?
2: I don't think there will be sexuality and we won't miss it. Uh, that won't be something that will be needed. Uh,
1: Why is food needed?
2: uh, uh I don't know why. I mean, that's why did God create worms green? Uh, It will be a source of pleasure that will be something that will be conducive to our nature, whereas our sexuality won't be as essential to our flourishing. And I put it like this, will there be pets in the afterlife? My answer to that is... That's a
1: good question. Yeah,
2: my answer is... That there will that, that 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 God is about the task of making this something that's going to be unbelievably exhilarating and thrilling, and there will be whatever is needed for you to flourish as a unique human person, and God, there isn't one size fits all. There are going to be things there, that for for specific individuals that's going to make heaven a place for them, that will allow them to flourish maximally. Whereas another person might not need that kind of thing. Is heaven a place? It isn't now. Heaven is real but it's not a spatial location. it is a different mode of existence but it, but it, when we receive resurrected bodies there's going to be a new heaven and earth and we will be on earth. we won't be somewhere else but Earth will be very different.
1: Will we always be bound to earth?
2: No that's why in Jesus resurrected body is an archetype uh, he was capable of, of appearing, And it appears that the laws of physics were not, did not control His resurrected body. So, we're going to be capable of exploring. Uh, This is one of the reasons why I think the universe is so big. I think there are going to be opportunities for us to explore and have an absolute blast.
1: So, everything you got except sex.
2: Oh, and, 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 and... a lot that you can't imagine. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, that's what the, science fiction is really the only way you can get a hold of this because the imagination needs to run wild uh, to understand what this is going to be. It isn't going to be a bunch of uh, little old ladies singing boring hymns in some wooden building that's half empty. It's going to be a celebration.
1: an eternal life of extraordinary richness, complexity, and creativity. To believe it all would take a long leap of faith. But at least it sounds worthwhile. What about other religions? Christians have no monopoly on claims of eternal life. For Islam's views, I turn to Sayyid Hussein Nasser, a distinguished Islamic philosopher. Hussein,
3: what is eternal life like in Islam? You know, Robert, this is an aspect of Islamic teachings which is very much misunderstood in the West because the Qur'an uses a very sensuous language to describe paradise. Uh, For example, there are animals and plants in the Islamic paradise. And in fact, the uh, English word for paradise comes from the old Persian word pardis, which means garden. Hmm. And then there's the question of sexuality. That is the presence of Huris, or uh, which has entered into the English language, of uh, maidens and also men for women, and all kinds of things like that, which are then cons- were considered in the Middle Ages as proving that Islam was not spiritual and it was very sensuous. Now, of course, after the I don't mind, by the way, <laughs> after the sexual revolution of the 20th century, lesser Christians made of that. <laughs> But let's take uh, this description. Uh, Sexuality, sexual union, is the most powerful experience that we have on the external senses level in this world. There's no doubt about it. Eating, nothing compares to it. But it's limited. It is limited, first of all, by all the legal elements by our own physical capabilities, by emotional relations, and a thousand and one things that we all know about. Now, take all those limitations away. The heart of the experience of sexual union is a paradisal experience. That's why everybody's after it. <laughs> it's a kind of seeking after the lost paradise. Now, these descriptions of paradise, which involve what's called ma'ida, that is the feast, the paradisal feast of fruit, paradisal fruit, and so forth and so on. And then, uh, as I said, the sensual, sexual descriptions are not meant to simply lower the value of paradise, but to elevate it and to show that everything that's pleasurable in this world, everything that we enjoy, is really a reflection of a paradisal experience and even within paradise there are levels. The highest paradise uh, is called the paradise of the gardener and not the garden. Paradise of the essence in which every single concept and idea and limited form of existence is transcended. That is even we are beyond the paradisal state in the ordinary sense. Do we still keep Our own
1: personalities or do we merge into some cosmic consciousness which some religions teach?
3: First of all it's not cosmic, it's metacosmic. (laughs) Secondly it's a kind of merging without destruction of the individual. There is a kind of swimming in the ocean of divinity and therefore being drowned in that ocean but still retaining something of what we are. Meister Eckhart formulated this beautiful expression fusion without confusion. And therefore we transcend what we usually identify as our I, because by some great mystery which is not possible to understand simply mentally and rationally, we're given the power to be conscious of our own nothingness in the divinity. Islam's paradise
1: is similar to the Christian heaven in terms of God and bliss, but wildly different in terms of its visions and descriptive metaphors, especially, well, with respect to sex. I need to look beyond the Abrahamic religions. What about Hinduism, perhaps the world's oldest wisdom tradition? i ask vv raman a hindu physicist and spiritual explorer vv i don't know whether this sounds silly but to me the question of eternal life what it will be like is absolutely essential to my understanding of god how is the hindu understanding of eternal life reflected differs from what we are normally uh, seeing in the West.
4: The notion of eternal life implies in, from the Hindu perspective, an existence that is without any change. And here I should go to the key idea in Hinduism that that which changes is finite and that which does not change is eternal. So eternal life is the equivalent of becoming part of the unchanging universe, unchanging awareness which we call Brahman in the Hindu tradition. Therefore from that perspective eternal life is equivalent to what one calls the merger with the infinite. One sometimes makes an analogy with water in different containers. The pockets of water, whether in lakes or ponds or bottles, have all come from the waters that have fallen as rain. And the prayer says something like this, that just as the waters from the oceans come back and fall on the ground and become these pockets of water, ultimately go back to the same ocean. It is in that way that ultimately we not only go back to the ocean, we become one with it. And once we are part of that from which we came, we become eternal again. So eternal life is not as individuals, but more as part
1: of the whole. If we started in this eternal state and we went through this process, perhaps different lives, and wind up back in that state,
4: what have we gained? Every religious tradition has a particular world view on these matters, which I think are uh, ultimately inscrutable and fathomable, (laughs) but we do have these particular pictures. The Hindu tradition simply says that this entire experience through which we go will ultimately end up in something that is truly ecstatic, because that is what that merger with Brahman is all about.
1: Hindu's vision of eternal life differs radically from that of Christianity and Islam in that it is existence without change. Individuality is subsumed by becoming one with the great ocean of cosmic consciousness from which we came. But is there some common vision of eternal life underlying all religions? The person I ask is Houston Smith, a great religious scholar who has personally practiced Hinduism, Buddhism, and Sufism, a mystical tradition of Islam, while remaining a lifelong Christian what is the essence
5: of eternal life the indians have a useful phrase drop the body Uh, that's useful because it means uh, there is something that drops the body and that is what all the religions say now Dropping the body occurs at the moment of death. What will it be when we drop our body? Well, what we can say is if consciousness is uh, the fundamental reality and it can't be destroyed, consciousness will continue The light on the television screen will never go out. Now, what the images on that screen will be after death, after we drop the body, we do not know. That's the ultimate mystery. But we, we know I'm Robert, and you'll know you're Houston, and,
1: and, and we'll that's have ourselves. And
5: that's what Rama said. Uh, I want to taste sugar. I don't want to be <laughs> sugar. So the second view is being sugar, that I will
1: merge into the cosmic consciousness. But we lose our personality. So we don't exist, but we become part of the great existence
5: Right, that is uh, often described as the dewdrop uh, slips into the shining sea. Yes. So much for the dew drop, but that analogy is wrong. It should be the dewdrop opens to admit the entire sea into oh. it.
1: Virtually every human culture has a tradition of life after death. But this counts for nothing in uncovering what's really true. Each religion paints its own portrait of the hereafter. Some visions are ethereal in that we merge and meld with the collective consciousness and lose our personal identities. Other visions are individual and even corporeal in that we get a new non-corruptible body and retain our personal identities. The ethereal visions are beatific and cosmic. The individual visions are more like human life, amplifying the good parts and excising the bad parts. Which would I choose? It matters not. When it comes to eternal life, My desires mean nothing for coming closer to truth.